so important to have people who understand what you're doing. I mean, a lot of my friends don't really get it, <laughs> you know, this whole teaching online thing. And so it's it's so great when you can just talk to somebody else who is doing this and understands the joys and the, the struggles of teaching online. Show, a podcast all about loving, living, and learning languages. Hello, language lovers. I hope you're having a wonderful, chilled out, relaxing time on this hot, hot day. Maybe it is hot, hot where you are. Summer has finally arrived here in the UK, and boy, have we been waiting for it. I am here today with an episode bringing in two guests one guest from North Carolina in the USA and one from lovely London, London town. And they're both teachers ready to share with you very, very interesting stories of how they became online English teachers and what makes them stand out in the crowd. And something I found really, really interesting is we discussed the role of friendship and the support system and how important that is for you when you are an online language teacher. Now, before we get cracking, oh, I forgot to introduce myself. Let me introduce myself. Hello, my name is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk and as you might have guessed, I am here to talk about anything and everything interesting from the world of learning another language. I have got a few announcements. If you don't want to hear all of my announcements, all those things, then hop about three or four minutes ahead and we're going to get straight into the interview. But if you are here for the ride with me, then first of all, let's give a big shout out to a wonderful, wonderful show sponsor. And I have to say, I love working with sponsors for this particular show because I decided, you know, like, you know, I know I'm not going to get Casper mattress anytime in here. And that's absolutely fine. That is absolutely fine. But there is something really cool. I get so many emails and messages over the time that a sponsor stays with the show, which is usually maybe a half year to a year uh, with the previous sponsor. It was a long time. I get all these messages from people saying, oh, I've tried this and I really, really loved it. Or I heard about it. Thank you so much for mentioning it on the show. And I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. Because all the sponsors that I work with for this show are hand-selected by me. And they're usually apps and services that I try and I use and I found super, super useful for language learning. And that's the case with this new one as well. And our sponsor for this week is... Close Master! Close Master is a gamified language learning app. All right, sounds familiar so far. It is particularly exciting, though, for those of you who may have already finished an introductory course in one of the big name apps, let's say Memrise or Duolingo or something like that. You are learning through mass exposure to vocabulary in context with Close Master, and it provides you with thousands of sentences in a vast amount of languages. I believe there's 70 languages now and 200 plus language combinations. So it's not just, oh, you're learning Spanish from English, but if you would like to learn Esperanto from French, if you would like to learn Finnish from Portuguese, that can be done in Close Master. It is popular with 
hundreds of thousands of users that have got Clawsmaster already, so it's definitely worth a look maybe for you. The objective of the game is essentially the close C-L-O-Z-E exercise, which is a mainstay of language teaching, and the objective is to fill in the missing word from context in a sentence. You can play text input or multiple choice, you can group sentences differently, and you can even go on their fluency fast track. If you love practicing with language apps that focus on vocab and you want to keep your skills sharp and you are an intermediate learner who really is here for the practice and you need that regular practice, you want to keep it fresh, then Clothesmaster is absolutely for you. For example, I'm using it for Mandarin at the moment because I'm not actively studying my Chinese, but I didn't want to like lose it all. And I was looking for a good way to keep it just fresh and keep dipping in. Clothesmaster is perfect for that because it's got a HSK1 path, it shows me how far I am along at that path and it's quite motivating actually to just do another quick round and another quick round. <laughs> so if you want to try all that out and just see what Clothesmaster is like on the inside, head to Clothesmaster, that's C-L-O-Z-E-M-A-S-T-E-R dot com slash fluent show and for the american listeners <laughs> that is c-l-o-z-e-m-a-s-t-e-r.com slash fluent show and you can dig into this free app free for everybody and it works on android it works on ios devices and it also works on the web thank you to Clothesmaster for sponsoring the show beep beep Woo! I have also got a reminder for you that you can join my new course, Podcasting 101, which I made last month and has been live since last month. It's already inspired over 75 people to pick up the mic and try creating their own podcast. And I would love to have you in there if you're feeling a creative itch, if you like this show and you think, or maybe you don't, you think, oh, I could do that better. Come along, come along. Let's talk podcasting. And the URL for that is fluentlanguage.co.uk slash podcasting 101. And if you're listening to this right now, you will also find that just for the next five days, my course Crack the Grammar Code, for those of you who are not podcasters but linguists, that's open, but it's a very, very quick opening. Um, the show, the show, <laughs> the course only opens up once or twice a year. Um, at the moment, it's available at fluentlanguage.co.uk slash grammar code. All of that in the show notes. I'll give you the URL for those in a minute. Uh, quick heads up that I am also, busy summer man, speaking <laughs> at PodThon. PodThon is a podcasting conference that I attended last year and just so fell in love with it, organized and designed to bring to the fore the talent, genius, brilliance and diversity in the podcasting industry and among independent podcasters. It is organized by Danielle Desir and Lee Guerhara. I hope I'm saying that right. And you can get tickets. You can get tickets and it's absolutely worth if you're just curious about what goes on in the world of podcasting. It is an interesting and fun world. I've been doing I've been bouncing around it for a few years now. Head over to the PodFun website and you will also get to hear a little bit about how I keep the podcast fresh and how I stay organized with the Fluent Show. And finally, finally, I'm gosh, I do have a lot to announce. My apologies for banging all of this into your feed right now, but let's just let's just celebrate that there's so much going on. This Friday this Friday? Saturday? My apologies, this Saturday, the 19th of June, if you've got nothing else to do and you want to spend some time with me at 11am UK time, I am going to be live on Clubhouse with a bonus Fluent Show episode called The Language 
news for the summer. I got lots and lots of language news for you. And I would love for you to come and join and just be aware the room is being recorded. And if you come on stage and you chat to me, then that's going to be in a bonus episode, which is available exclusively to Fluent Show patrons over at Patreon. Now, let me introduce you to today's guests. They, you will meet them in a minute. They are Karina Thorne, who teaches coaches and creates materials for English language learners, and Kate Fisher from the podcast Conversations with Kate, who organizes online writing experiences for English language teachers. And she's also a fellow podcaster. Absolutely love talking to these two. They are experienced, smart, wise English teachers and for those of you who want to be teachers and want to know how to make it work and what's in your future there's a lot of inspiration here and for those of you who are language learners and you want to know more about alternative ways of learning and what your teacher can can bring you through the power of a conversation and that immersive learning experience absolutely worth a listen as well this is my last interview in teaching season just a quick heads up the audio for this interview was not quite up to the usual super super high standard which we try to bring you at the fluent show so we're all sounding good but this is an online recorded conversation a remotely recorded conversation as you can imagine and we had the odd little quirk and dip in the internet quality next week we're going to be back with back to the usual standards and bringing you the best possible fluent show we can. But from me and from editor Christian, thank you so much for bearing with us through the little dips in audio quality that you're about to deal with, I guess, as we are all, as we are all. It's still worth listening to the interview. It's still a great, great chat. If you want to know anything more about what I mentioned to you in the announcements or about Kate and Karina, then head over to the Fluent Show show notes, which are at fluent.show. That's www.fluent.show slash 219. Okay, interview time. We got there. Welcome to the Fluent Show, ladies. Welcome to the Fluent Show, Karina. Welcome to the Fluent Show, Kate. Thank you for that warm welcome, Kirsten. Really happy to be here. Yes, delighted to be here. Thank you so much for inviting us. I'm super excited actually to have you because I think it's really fun to bring in this conversation. It's the last one of teaching season. <laughs> and it's uh, it's been a season where we've looked at you know different aspects of teaching and a little bit the business side, but I haven't had the opportunity to go too far into creative, unusual, and actually everyday life approaches that individual teachers can take to teaching languages. Now, both of you are English teachers, and I would love to start us off with just a quick, sort of very quick introduction to how you teach, what you think your personal flavor is, and also where you both are from, because it's a part of how you obviously teach the language that you teach. Karina, why don't I start with you? Okay, I'm happy to begin. I am from London, and I'm based in London now. Um, however, I have uh, taught abroad over in China is where I got a lot of my uh, English teaching experience. Um, and I've been teaching in the EFL field for about 11 years now. Uh, previously, my background was actually in finance. I focus primarily on writing, 
um, often have requests for supporting learners with their speaking and writing. And I'm trying to kind of drill down and niche down into writing specifically. Um, that's academic writing um, and other formal types of writing. But my current project is all about creative writing, um, uh, using imagination, real life experiences, um, reading and analyzing uh, literature, uh, collaborative learning. Those are all the elements of how I am teaching English uh, at the moment. So you use creative writing and story writing for teaching English? If I can. <laughs> I, um, I try to incorporate this um, as much as I can. I essentially sneak in um, creative writing activities into my teaching. What I mean is I would like to, you know, explicitly um, focus on creative writing, but at the moment I teach other types of writing and incorporate uh, creative writing when I can. And I'm going to wave across the pond now to Kate. Kate, where are you joining us from? I live in the U.S. in North Carolina, so on the East uh, Coast and Southeast, and I uh, have lived here for over 30 years. Grew up in Minnesota in the Midwest, so people say I have more of a Midwest accent if you're talking about American English. Mm -hmm. And Kate, do you also use creative writing into, in your English teaching, or what is your flavor? My flavor. Well, I do. <laughs> I do use personal stories now, but it kind of came about. It evolved. I have been in public school teaching for most of my career, but not classroom teaching. I've always had very creative jobs. I taught art and I taught uh, academically gifted kids and tried to differentiate the curriculum for them and, and help them pursue their own education. And then I was a school librarian. So in the library, I had access, of course, to many, many stories and shared lots of stories with the children there. Um, but I started teaching English as a foreign language in 2016 after I had left public school teaching. It just became too stressful, and I was looking for something else to do. And I started uh, with I, – I, it was a partnership between Premier – TEFL, so I could get my TEFL certificate, and then they had an opportunity to actually travel to Poland and interact with Polish professionals who needed English as uh, a common language for international business, and it was all based on conversation, and so I'm using the conversation method. That's where I started, and that's what I loved, and when I uh, earned my certificate, came back home, I was working for a while with uh, startup out of Warsaw, and they had a curriculum online, but I found with most of the people who I was interacting with, they just wanted to talk. And after a couple months, I decided to start my own online business. I named it Conversations with Kate, and I would have conversations with people and take lots of notes for them and kind of do the teaching part uh, as as needed, you know, as it came up. Mm -hmm. And it was very effective. And then one day, one of my clients asked me for listening comprehension practice. And she said, tell me a story, tell me a personal story. And so I thought, okay, she's from Poland, what can I tell her? 
And I started off with a story about my first uh, time that I arrived in Poland. I'd never been there before, and I had to meet this group, uh, the facilitator of these English immersion villages, and meet up with other volunteers. And I joined the wrong tour group. I'll just make it short. It was a little bit longer when I told her. And so she thought it was a great. Uh, I ended up recording the story, writing the story, and she used it, studied it. And then the next week, she asked for another story and another story <laughs> and another story. And so I started telling personal stories, and I started putting them together in lesson guides. Uh, and that's how I got started with the story method. Now, I don't always use my stories. Eventually, I started to think, okay, these are monologues, and I'm conversations with Kate. And what I really want is for people to understand how to participate in conversations, how to understand conversations, and how to, you know, feel confident in contributing to conversations. And so that's when I started my podcast, also called Conversations with Kate, although I'm rebranding as English for Exploration in a little bit here. Uh, and I started talking to my sister, and then I started interviewing both native and non-native speakers so that people could hear English as spoken around the world. And when you, when you were teaching in Poland for, for the first, you know, you're in the middle of your training and you're going out to Poland and you're in a completely new place. You've got all these new students. What was that like? Uh, we talked all day long and the, the program was organized so that you mostly had one-on-ones Uh, so you would switch, you know, it would be like speed dating almost, you know, you'd, you'd talk for 50 minutes with one person and then we'd have a little break and then you'd talk for 50 minutes with another person. And then that was interspersed with uh, some creative group activities to get them to talk in groups. In fact, the, the goal for the participants at the end of the week was to do a five minute or so presentation in English. And so we mentored one person to, to do this and it was on a subject of their their own choosing. It could be family, it could be related to business, it could be anything. And so the goal was to get them first comfortable presenting in a group and then presenting in pairs and then presenting by themselves. So it was actually very structured. And uh, I just I just fell into it naturally. I loved it so much. I loved the whole experience and that carried over into the way I started my business, if that answers your question. Mm. It sounds like you were incredibly comfortable with you know like the situation that some people might find really challenging it sounds like you were really comfortable with the environment and with the structure and with how it all was working so that this trip to Poland really made a massive difference to how you teach absolutely and I think also it brought together other skills that I had developed over the years with active listening and so on and also helping people uh, follow their own interests. Mm -hmm. And so the conversations were always focused on what they wanted to talk about. I mean, sometimes they gave us topics and then I was very flexible if they wanted to talk about something else. And so my idea is, and I'm a language learner too, and I like to learn about something else while I'm learning the language. You know, I like to follow my passions and interests and combine them. So that's also what I try to to offer my clients. Mm -hmm. I find with my languages, sort of especially with the Welsh language, where I've been, you know, doing the basics works and, and I'm I'm very comfortably in the B level, sort of the intermediate learner. 
and conversation, knowing I have a tutor that I get on with and where I actually want to hear what he has to say and I want to tell him stuff. And, you know, we sort of, you know, we can talk about bits like bread baking and <laughs> self-employment and all those kind of things that are real aspects of our lives. It's one of my biggest motivators. So I love, I love that. And I love that you prompt personal stories from your students. Now, Karina, your story also starts with traveling abroad, but it wasn't as part of your training. It was something that you deliberately went for and English was your ticket out. Is that, have I got that right? Kind of. I, I definitely wanted a, a life change. I'd been working in finance for almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something different. I had in that time continued to study languages um, myself, French, Spanish. I had started a bit of Italian and I knew that I wanted to do something different, kind of something related to languages, <laughs> go somewhere, do something. And yeah, it turned out that I was inspired just as I was randomly on the BBC uh, languages website. I was inspired by someone's blog, a person's blog that I was reading who had gone to teach English in China uh, in a company. And part of the blog series um, followed this guy. And in the second part, he actually, I don't know if he had left and come back or he had stayed and decided to go and study Chinese after that because he hadn't had a chance, so busy kind of teaching, he hadn't had a chance to study the language. And that kind of inspired me to, to pick <laughs> China as a place to to, to try something new and, and, and be somewhere new and to see what happens. Mm. <laughs> Did you sort of quit your job and I don't know, sell all your belongings or whatever and, so, and decide like, I'm going to start a new life and a new chapter. Like, was it fairly dramatic or was it more like, okay, I'll be back in six months. <laughs> I sort of did. Um, I, um, looked into what I could do to prepare and I, um, I saw that there were different uh, kind of training programs um, and I did my research and I ended up doing CELTA, CELTA training. Mm -hmm. And I have a flat here in London, so I prepared to, I didn't sell all my belongings, but I um, rented out my flat here. So, and then I told everybody that I, <laughs> that I knew and, you know, I just got a kind of shrug of the shoulders. <laughs> type thing. I think what I'm trying to say is that everybody was fine. There was no, oh, you can't go or, oh, that's really strange. I think maybe people who know me just thought, oh, that's just something that Karina's doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. And I didn't, I think some people have said to me afterwards, so you know, like, were you worried about going or were you worried about what might have happened or, and I just, I, I didn't think anything, I mean, bad things could have happened, but if anything bad happened, I could just come back. Like it, it wouldn't be the end. My, mm. my life wouldn't end. Um, I could do other things if it didn't work out. 
So I, that, and that wasn't even on my mind. I was just going, I was going to see and see what happens. And, and we go from there. <laughs> I love that as a, as a message to people who are kind of unsure or who are considering maybe, you know, going into, it doesn't have to be teaching, but sort of doing this, such a big shift, such a big career change. And you're sort of thinking, I don't know, should I, shouldn't I? And like you say, like, what worst case scenario, you could just come back and usually you can somehow rebuild and reinstate how it was before. Right. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. I mean, I'm not saying that it was easy because it was not easy at all. Very, very challenging, very difficult, um, especially at the beginning, but even throughout just being in this very, very different place. Um, it's, it's the classic story, um, new country, new culture, new language, um, new norms, right? New behaviors, new attitudes, so much to take in, plus figuring your way around, plus finding a way to sustain yourself. <laughs> Re yeah, reinventing yourself and creating a new life. It's, it's, it's big, yeah. um, but it's, it's doable. It, it takes time, patience, persistence, <laughs> perseverance, should I say. Yeah. So talking about continuing on, mm. um, for, for both of you, I wonder what was it that motivated you to continue teaching after you came back from, from abroad and to move online and become online teachers? Well, if I think, thought about my finance career, I had been doing that for almost a decade and I had progressed a lot and achieved a lot, but I still think that there were more things to, to, to do and to learn. And so in terms of where I was in China, um, I mean, I was there six years in total. Um, but I feel that I, I felt that I was just at the beginning really of my teaching career just learning, just figuring it out and finding out what interest, what really interested me and what I really wanted to focus on and, and develop my expertise in. So I knew that I wanted to continue teaching, um, that I wanted to get better at what I was doing. Um, and also because I'm, I describe myself as a lifelong learner and knowing that I kind of take that as a measure in terms of how I teach, like always wanting to teach, I, I say better, but in a, a, a fun, engaging, um, kind of challenging way. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of moving online, I, that's, some, that's something that happens slowly over time while I was in China, we were very much using, you know, whiteboards, chalkboards, but I did notice my learners were, had their phones, like their phones were gl glued into their hands. And I didn't know what to do with this, <laughs> how to get their attention. So I realized that there were certain functions that we could exploit. And I would ask the students to like take pictures with their phone, to record their voices, to take videos and to try to incorporate that in the lesson. 
as an attempt, you know, to, to, to integrate that, that technology. And I, I realized I was doing it in a really simple way. And I knew that there were probably better ways that I could do that. And that's when I started thinking about doing kind of some extra training in using technology in the classroom and where I eventually got to thinking about teaching online. Mm, that's interesting that it's actually the creativity and the solution to a problem that you were seeing, which is they're all using technology anyway. They're all on on their phones anyway. And how can you start building that in? And I love the idea of, you know, just asking your students to take photos and bring, you know, instead of fighting the phones, just saying, okay, right, I'm just going to work with this. Amazing. Kate, what about you? Well, when I was uh, in the school library, I was also the tech person for my school. So I was pretty comfortable with technology. And then when I had left that job, I was looking for some other things to do. And I'm a great researcher online, and I found a site that matches students who need teachers or tutors. And so I had a little bit of experience of working online. And then after my first experience in Poland, like I said, there was this startup in Warsaw, and they were recruiting people uh, to teach online when we got back home. And so it just kind of fell into my lap. And after doing that for a couple of months, I I gained a lot of experience. I had a lot of uh opportunities to to see how it worked and see you know develop my own method I guess and I just decided I wasn't making enough money and that's when I decided to start my own business Mm. I think that is a strong motivator for sure (laughs) I love that (laughs) as well and you it shows that you were going about it with confidence like knowing I can make this you know I can make this bigger I can make this work in the way that I need it to work in my life which brings me, thank you for the bridge, to my to the next question that I wanted to ask you, which is that each of you teaches English with a certain sort of slant of individuality and creativity. And I love that, you know, the conversations and bringing in creative writing. There's, there's something more than just, okay, let's sit down and I'll explain the grammar to you. What gives you the confidence to create English lessons in the individual way that you've chosen? Kate, for example. Well, I think my father taught me to let the student be the guide. And he, he was a business teacher way back when shorthand was a language. (laughs) And then came the Apple IIe computers, you know, and he, was, he had the attitude that he was not going to have to learn everything before his students. He just said, you know, come on in here. We're going to open up the boxes. Here are the manuals. I'm going to be the facilitator of the learning, but you can go as far as you want. And I want you to just pursue your interests in this. And when I started teaching uh, academically, academically gifted students, you know, these kids were basically bored in school and they were learning anything they could online and from books. And I was not going to, uh, I, I couldn't get ahead of them, uh, honestly. You know, I had a second grader who, I, I asked them if they wanted to do an independent project and I would assist them. And this kid wanted to talk about quarks and things like that in physics. And so I just became the facilitator of learning. And that, and I think that motivation and interest is essential in learning anything. And certainly with a language. So I just, 
want to be the guide. And I try to find out, you know, what motivates people, what their interests are, and then try to match resources to those interests. Mm-hmm. Does that answer the question? Yes, I'd love to. I'd love to hear a little bit more about this student guided approach and seeing yourself as the facilitator. Can you tell me a little bit more about how that works in your in your lessons now? Uh, well, I can let me start when I when I first got online with my own business. I used TED Talks a lot because I would find out what it was that they were interested in, and then I would find a TED Talk, and then I of course they have transcripts right there. And so I could take the transcript and I could put it uh, in a document and then I could pull out words and vocabulary and I I gave them some definitions and then I created conversation questions so that we would watch something that they were really interested in. And then we would talk about the vocabulary and expressions and use those in the conversation questions. So that's kind of how I started. And now I just find out, you know, why do they need English? And sometimes it's related to work. You know, we, we develop I find resources for them that are related to their work, or they sometimes bring resources, articles, videos to me, and we talk about it. So I, I'm a lifelong learner too, and it's fascinating to me because I get to learn about so many different things that I never knew about before. I mean, I've learned about Bitcoin, and I've learned about uh, many things about IT. I have a lot of guys who um, are working in IT. I've learned about horseback riding. I've learned about uh, sailing. I've learned about, I mean, I could go on and on and on. It just depends on what people bring. Um, and because I'm a librarian, I guess it comes naturally to me to try to find resources for people. And people say I kind of have a knack for that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes sometimes I develop them into lesson guides for them. And sometimes it just, I mean, the conversation is enough and it kind of just flows. So it. It's never boring. It's always different. And I'm always checking in with the client to see, you know, how they're feeling about everything. And do they think if they think they need to work on a certain aspect of grammar, we might do a mini lesson about that. But it's always what does the client need? What motivates them? What are they interested in? This is showing me that asking the question about confidence is almost not really the right question because the I think from what I'm hearing, what, what you're telling me is that your, your confidence, you don't really think about it. You just have found this way of really working with your own personal strengths. And it makes, obviously brings your own unique style and your unique strengths to how you're teaching. But you know, this is working because you know what you're good at. Well, I've got a lot of feedback and I'm older than probably a lot of other people. That are doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I'm trying to bring my strengths to bear on what I'm doing right now. Oh. And I'm also at the point in my life where I know that I want to continue learning and to learn, I have to get outside my comfort zone. And so I just keep stepping, you know, uh, not so much over the edge all the time, but right up to the edge or maybe a little bit over of my comfort zone. And, and I keep getting more comfortable with these things because we get results. Hmm. Okay, reflecting on all that and kind of almost asking asking the same or similar question to you, Karina, um, I'm going to modify and I'm not going to ask you what gives you the confidence, but how do you bring your own strengths into how you teach English? Well, I think, as I said before, just taking my experience as a learner is um, is a really important gauge and gives me a lot of direction in terms of what I want to do. Um, I'm just somebody who you 
probably guess likes to take risks and experiment. Um, and, but apart from that, and apart from seemingly kind of just randomly doing <laughs> whatever I want to do, I also feel very, um, like strongly influenced by what has come before me. I'm talking about, uh, teaching methodologies. I'm talking about techniques. I'm talking about, um, research, right? Um, research that's been done in the field, which is usually, um, uh, shared at a theoretical level. Uh, but I want to try and take that and apply it practically. So I, I think I like to combine this. Um, I, I'm somebody who's interested in the process and the product. <laughs> I want to experiment and have rules and, and be, and be kind of take risks and have rules. Right. Um, and I don't know. I think that combination is, is, is a good combination and can bring results. I, I definitely agree with Kate in terms of listening to what your student, learner, client, however you'd like to call them, wants. Um, but it's not just about that, but it's also about observing them and seeing what happens when they are on task because people uh, say <laughs> one thing and then do another. <laughs> um, and in that I've found, you know, when people have come and said, I've got this problem and can you help me solve it? It's not so much about skills, but about mindset and about attitude and about mentality. Mm -hmm. So I think another string to my bow is probably the wrong way of putting it, but I do see a, part of my role as a almost like a coach which brings a certain amount of anxiety because I'm not professionally trained like mm -hmm. uh, for example mm -hmm. Kate is um, but I do that's something that's really interesting me now kind of coaching coaching language earners the yeah focus on attitude and focus on mindset yeah you don't you don't know this because it's only just come out but as we are recording this the episode of the fluent show that goes before yours is a an episode that is about language coaching where i kind of talked about coaching <laughs> and looking into that because i think i agree we can't you we can't divorce mindset confidence and sort of the deeper things that go in, in a person and in a person's life, interior world, exterior world, you can't divorce that from the the idea of success or not success in language learning and uh, digging in almost always reaps really good rewards. Agreed. <laughs> I totally agree too. Now, I wanted to also dig a little bit into... The idea of, or not the idea of, <laughs> but like the fact that I've got two teachers here who are good friends and who you know each other as well. And I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the world of our teaching slash solo working slash trying out random things, businesses, and the the way that we work as individuals, but reach out to each other as friends, colleagues, or possibly sometimes perceive each other as, uh, as competition. And I already knew Kate 
for a while through her podcast, Conversations with Kate. So I was aware of Kate for a long, long time before this year. And Kate was invited to speak at Women in Language, the conference that um, I co-organized with Lindsay and Shannon, my friends. And I was absolutely delighted because Kate decided to nominate her own her own dream team partner. She came along and she said, I would love to have Karina as my presentation partner. And Karina, I wasn't aware of you or your work before. So to me, one of the joys of women in languages that I get to meet new people. So I got to meet another person. And it was fascinating to know Kate is bringing along her, you know, someone that she nominated. So obviously somebody she reflects, respects in her field and a friend. And together, I, the Karina and Kate have created a talk combining the powers of conversation and storytelling. So listeners, if you were a Women in Language 2021 attendee, uh, I've put a link in the show notes for you. You do need a ticket in the past <laughs> to, to access the talk. But if you haven't watched it yet or if you missed the talk, do check it out because it was really, really interesting. I had you on my big TV downstairs uh, instead of my little, little laptop upstairs. I wondered if I could talk to you both about the friendship and your collegiate relationship because you both haven't you've grown grown up in the same area you're from different backgrounds you live in different countries how did you strike up your friendship sure Uh, I could start by saying that when I was exploring this idea of starting my own business and teaching online of course I was looking for resources and I found the opt-out Facebook group which doesn't exist anymore but that's where I met Karina and it was a very active group and we would respond to one another and have discussions about different aspects of teaching online and so I just I guess felt this is somebody that I wanted to get to know further And then I'm not sure if we were in a mastermind together um, in addition to that. But as I started my podcast, I was actually reaching out to quite a few people in the opted out community to be guests on my podcast. And so that's probably when we really uh, started talking more and developed our friendship because she was on my podcast in the, I think it was episode 58 and 59. And I knew she was a poet. And I was really excited to have a poet on the podcast, I remember, at that point. And there's also a beautiful poem that Karina uh, recites at the end of our Women in Language uh, presentation. So there was that. And then we just stayed in touch, I think, every once in a while checking in. because It's so important to have people who understand what you're doing. I mean, a lot of my friends don't really get it, (laughs) you know, this whole teaching online thing. And... So it's it's so great when you can just talk to somebody else who is doing this and understands the joys and the, the struggles of teaching online. Uh, Karina, what would you say? Yeah, I, I totally uh, agree with that. Teaching online can be very, very lonely. And I mean, it was almost unknown prior to the pandemic. <laughs> now, um, yeah, now it's kind of seen as a normal thing, but going back a number of years when I was doing this, I'm pretty sure my friends didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and I didn't know anybody else who was really doing this. And I did find a Facebook group to be part of. And that was really, really um, exciting to meet other people virtually through, you know, messages <laughs> um, that were in the same situation and going through the same things. Um 
And yeah, I think the, yeah, yes, the invitation from you was the first time that um, I really, I mean, I was following you, Kate, for, for a while and following the developments of um, other teachers in the kind of storytelling and um, writing space. But we got closer with this, uh, with the podcast that we did together and with the, the Women in Language um, opportunity, I realized how much synergy there was um, in what we were doing that our approaches kind of complemented each other and that we got on well. And I, I'm somebody, as I said before, who likes to experiment. And I think Kate is somebody who likes to try new things too. <laughs> and we, Go ahead. And we, and we did just recently. Uh, I was so delighted that we had another opportunity to collaborate because Karina offers monthly webinars, workshops for uh, English teachers or any language teachers, I guess, who want to write. And so we, we did a Grow Your, Grow Your Story Seeds, or I forget what we called it exactly, workshop that was a lot of fun just a week or two ago. Oh, yeah. Grow Your Stories from Seeds. And That's, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We combined it really well. We, you know, we took, um, half of the time, uh, Kate led and the other half I led and, uh, we kind of combined our, knowledge and skills to lead uh, those participants to generate ideas for story writing and then to kind of organize um, organize those those stories into something um, something meaningful um, and that was another that was another great experience so just slowly over time we've got to know each other we've started to collaborate together and um, and this podcast <laughs> with you Kirsten is another opportunity um uh to to kind of grow our our relationship which is really nice mm. well i'm happy to be a footnote in that definitely <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it takes to collaborate with each other successfully as online teachers a lot of communication a lot of patience communication a lot of listening I mean, there's, there's, it depends on how you communicate. Um, you know, if it's just through the written word <clears throat> and through comments, a lot of kind of new nuances and subtleties are missing, right? In terms of understanding each other. So mm -hmm. I think that if there, if it's possible to, um, jump on a, you know, a video call or something like that. That, that could be very, very useful. Kate, what were you going to say? I forget, but I would just add <laughs> that we also use Google Drive. And so when, we're, mm -hmm. when we were working on the Women in Language presentation and also this recent workshop, we created a common uh, document in Google Drive so we could, you know, share ideas there in between our video chats. And I think just in general, it's really important, like you said, to... Um, to listen, to share ideas, but then be very flexible. And two heads are most often better than one. And so we come up with ideas, you know, that are different if we share. But it, you also have to let go of some of the ideas that you had, you know, in order to work with somebody else. You, you have to be very flexible, I think. And, and then what results, I think, is much better in mm -hmm. the end. Yes, yes. That's, 
I, I see those those tips and those kind of approaches reflected in a lot of the collabora collaboration work I've done over the years. And it's never been, it's, it's always been something that I felt I couldn't have achieved in that way by myself. Never, never, ever. And it's the collaboration that really made it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very exciting, really. Mm. Yeah. It lets us grow beyond ourselves, right? It's sort of, you know, you've got your limit here. And then as soon as you're with somebody else, your limits just dissolve a little bit. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you appreciate most about each other's approaches? This can be to teaching or to, you know, as a, as a collaborator to working. Kate, I'll start with you. What do you appreciate most about Karina and how she works? Well, first of all, she's just such a creative poet and she has such a great way with words and I I never saw myself as a writer as a storyteller um, and so I'm I'm learning so much from working with her and other people who are interested in telling their stories and it gives and it inspires confidence in me I mean when I was invited to speak in women language I, I thought what can I speak about but I did have this thing where I was starting to tell personal stories and write them and create lesson plans and they were received pretty well by my clients. And then I even wrote a hundred page book uh, during the pandemic that, about my experience on the Camino uh, Portuguese. And I don't know that I would have had that confidence, you know, if I hadn't been influenced by people like Karina, you know, her whole thing is share your story with confidence. That's her business. And that's her really strong core message. And I think um, that's helped me a lot to, to, to keep trying new things, you know, and see what works. Of course, sometimes they don't work and then you have to let go of them. But this whole story thing has been very powerful because stories are so powerful. They really connect people on, uh, they connect quickly and more strongly. They make those connections uh, through language and also in developing relationships and a sense of trust between two people, whether they're two teachers working together or a client and a, and a teacher. So. I would say confidence is a big thing mm. and confidence and creativity. She's so creative. <laughs> and to follow on, I mean, stories can be rewritten, right? That That's the, the power of them. You can try and tell your story again and again in different, in different ways. You can make it, you know, better, clearer, stronger, um, more powerful. Um, what do I want to say? Um, you know, with Kate, and conversations with Kate and telling her personal stories that requires vulnerability and honesty and that is a great inspiration and a great model because that creates a space that provides a space for others to do the same and we all want to be seen we all want to say what we mean right we want to tell it as it is and that's really really hard so i really love what Kate has, you know, created in that sense, that, that space, um, for people, um, um, to, to tell their stories. Mm. Um, and for me being, uh, uh, alone <laughs> teacher, um, alone online teacher, it's just great to have, some, well, someone to collaborate with, someone to work with, somebody who understands 
what you're going through and who's prepared to to listen, to put forward ideas, to try new things. It's just um, to fail <laughs> as well <laughs> and make mistakes. Um, yeah, that's what I appreciate um, working with Kate. Oh, oh Thank you. I'm, all, I'm all cheery now. <laughs> and the, the, the generosity of not just like the collaboration, but also the generosity of allowing you know, space for somebody else's story and to support somebody else's story comes into this. And I think that comes through in both of your approaches and is something I so, so appreciate from having worked with you at Women in Language, from the whole concept of conversations with Kate as, you know, as a podcast and as a basis for teaching and to, you know, to help other people express themselves through creative writing. There's just something so generous about all of that that I've really really appreciate now thank you you're, you're welcome <laughs> very much appreciated um now sometimes new language teachers certainly i've i've done i've done some mentoring i've done some te i've done some work with new language teachers and something i come across fairly frequently is this sort of worry when you start a new business about the threat of competition or the maybe idea theft or something like that so the, just this threat of competition from others in your field and you might also worry about uh, competing on price competing on methods who's better than you who is more qualified what are your views on this topic having been in the game for for a little while well the threat yeah the threat the threat is there the threat is real as in it's a it's a natural feeling <laughs> to feel under threat, right? As uh, human beings roaming the earth, um, <clears throat> maybe there aren't lions and tigers um, out there <laughs> looking to attack us, but um, there are other people who have uh, similar you know, skills and similar knowledge. I think the thing that grounds me is thinking of myself as an individual and as unique and, ha and having a, a particular combination of interests and skills, which is not exactly the same as, as someone else, and delivering things in a certain way. So maybe, you know, I want to try, I'm going to try lots of different things, and some things are, work, are going to work and some things are not. And that's my style. And you have to, you know, if you want to be with me, you have to be, you know, up for that, whereas somebody might, you know, appreciate a different, a different style. So I just think that no one can be you or really copy you. And you just, it as real as you can be, if you can, yeah, if you can be as real as you can be, you will attract those who are, who are similar and who like that. And, and that's all you need. I don't know. That's how I think about it. Yeah, I would agree. Mm -hmm. I, think I think it's very important just to be ourselves and to be authentic. And then we will naturally attract the people who are supposed to or want to work with us. And there are, it's true, there are many, many teachers, uh, but there are so many students. And some people are going to like our approach and some people might not, but that's okay. I really like... <laughs> 
what Seth Godin says, if someone, you know, is critical of your approach, then you just say, thank you for the information. It's not for you, you know, and don't take things personal either on kind of the flip side of that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, I love that. So for, from both of you, but it's just this, as if you can come to this, if you can come to this as an individual, and if you can come to this as truly yourself, um, it seems that that is a, a core part of what really makes it work and what kind of lets other people, it, it switches off the idea of competition. Yes. I would just add one more thing that this is probably something that happens over time and it happens in interaction with others, right? Mm. It's that interaction with those people that you think are a threat that you realize who you are and that you get a better understanding of who you are, right? It's So I think that it's something that is evol evolving over time and um, those threats, those perceived threats actually have some value <laughs> in, in helping you define, your, define yourself better. I've learned over time that it's really important to be in the present moment. And if I am in the present moment, just focused on what I'm doing, I don't have time to think about competition or all these other difficult topics. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope that's reassuring to new learners who are listening to this. And you've reminded me of something that one of the most reassuring things I ever heard, I think, was I took a, a travel writing class about, I don't know, a decade ago or something like that. And somebody said, somebody was asking the question. So one of my fellow students on the, on the course was asking the question, well, what do I do if, what if other people steal my idea? Which is already like, well, what's your idea? Is it like, I'll go by train around this place. It's like um, somebody else has probably had that idea before, but they were worried. And the tutor's answer was, well, is that the last good idea you're ever going to have? And that made me realize, well, it's never going to be, is it? We're always going to be full of good ideas. Absolutely. But you won't have room for those ideas if you're worrying right. about these other things. <laughs> That's it. And we don't, we're not, it's impossible to realize them all anyway. And it's the realization of an idea and the execution that, that truly makes, makes what you're doing into something valuable rather than just, you know, anyone can sit in the corner of the pub and have 12 good ideas about creativity what was i going to say ah the creativity with ideas and you know what you were talking about how this guy and maybe he wasn't the first person to write about traveling by train but how he traveled and what happened along the travel on the train do you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's the creativity comes in how you um deliver that information that's very true and in and it's always about who you are let me ask you, if there was one thing that you could change about your work, what would it be? Oh, well, that's easy. I would want stable, consistent internet, strong internet. <laughs> yeah, that would be very useful. Um, I think it's just the perception of teachers, English teachers in particular, and what they can do, right? The, the, the perception of teachers, the value of teachers, I think that are well many of us <laughs> have kind of great skills great knowledge and maybe the world doesn't see 
us that way. Fair enough. And I think that is, both of that is really, really good points. And yeah, gosh, faster internet. Like how can we work online as online teachers? It's a, it's become a utility really like, like everything else. So two incredibly good points. And if both of them, oh, if both of those dreams came true, everybody's life would be a lot easier in our profession for sure. Now, Kate, I'll start with you. Let the listeners know where they can find you, what you've got planned next and anything else you would want to share. Sure. The easiest way to find me is to go to my website, which is conversationswithkate.net. And from there, you can find my Instagram, my Facebook account. I'm not terribly active on social media at the moment, but that could change. Uh, and my LinkedIn it, uh, information is also there. And I also have a link to SoundCloud and I have a podcast uh, link on the menu. So pretty much everything is on my website, mm. conversationswithkate.net. You host on SoundCloud. I do. Oh, fascinating. Right. I'll have to ask you lots of questions about that later. That's fascinating. <laughs> I always love to hear how people do their podcasts. Uh, Karina Hillthorne, what about you? Yeah, you can find me um, at shareyourstorywithconfidence.com. That's my website. Um, I've got a blog there. Um, all about reading, writing, and I have information about my creative writing club. It's a monthly club. All the information is on the homepage. If you join the newsletter, um, you can get an invitation to the club and find out all the latest news. I'm also on Instagram at shareyourstorywithconfidence.com, um, Facebook as well. Otherwise, I'm also on LinkedIn. <laughs> it's rather an old school um, professional networking platform um, for those um, not only interested in kind of uh, learning in a collaborative space, but if one-to-one uh, -one, uh, writing support, you can contact me there. Awesome. Now, as announced, all that's left for us to do is to sign off episode 219 of the Fluent Show. Thank you both so much for taking the time. And listeners, can I just tell you, these ladies really, really took their time because we spent about an hour trying to get microphones to work and Skype and this and that. And we have done some tech producing here whew, to make this interview into reality. So thank you, Kate, so, so much. Thank you, Karina, so, so much for being my very generous, very lovely guests on the Fluent Show. Thank you very much. Thank you and it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the show by leaving a review in your podcast app or even becoming a member of our Patreon community where our supporter perks include a secret feed full of added show notes and a VIP option where you can get priority answers to your listener questions on the podcast. Don't forget that you can send us your language questions and feedback to hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk or find us on Twitter at The Fluent Show or Instagram hashtag The Fluent Show. We're always so excited to hear from you and read every message and review. See you next week.